0: Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. In the conflicts because of social media, we see it everywhere. We also see, you know, like lives being lost. We see relationships being broken. It seems like everything, you know, there's a lot of struggles in life. Um, I may not have had the control in everything in my life this year. So I, about two years ago, I was promoted to a job, but uh, which, praise God, but the job is, is contracted jobs. So if you've worked contract before, you know that you know it's not always secure. You're always waiting for your next appraisal whether you're gonna be made permanent or whether you have to leave the job at the end of that contract. And that's been looming in my mind quite a lot this year because um, I'll tell you as I go on, um, uh, and two years ago as well, we bought a house, praise God. Like everything's amazing, right? But um it comes with cost, you know? And so I'm on this job that is contracted, um, I'm earning money, but that could stop, right? How am I going to pay for my mortgage? You know? So a lot of that, I guess, is stress. I don't like to call it that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of stress in my mind because I have to provide for me and my family. Um, it's me and Bella for now. Um, but anyway, um, so what happened this year? I want to thank God because even though that that thing of the job not being secure is on my mind, I believed that you know He will provide, and He did. He uh, about two weeks ago, I got the good news, the green light that I was made permanent, and that was that was a a re- you know that relief that you feel. It's like okay, now I'm secured. Um, But basically, what I'm trying to say here is, you know, even though I didn't have full control of everything in my life, I believe in someone who does, and um, someone who saves me, someone who provides continually, continually provides for me. Like, you don't even know where it's going to come from, but I believe that He will provide everything that uh, me and my family needs, as well as in abundance so that we can bless other people, you know? Um, someone who ultimately has the control of my life in the palm of his hands. And I, I believe that is Jesus. So, you know, as I got to know Jesus Christ, I started to serve him with my life. The less I started to worry about these earthly things. You know, God will never forsake me. He will always be there to provide for me. He's my everything. He's my all. And that is how I live my life. So I have I still have that sense of security, knowing that you know, even though I don't know where I'm driving to, I believe that he's in control of that. I don't wanna it's quite cliche, but you know he has the wheel. Right. I just wanna echo that with a verse, some verses in the Bible from Revelation, why I believe this. I believe that there is something yet to come. So there is that hope. So from Revelation 21 verse 1 to 8. You're going to be quick, Lucas, so that I don't lose my, my train of thought. So we're going to um, put everything up here, so if you, if you can follow. I hope you can read that. In this, Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and for the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was sealed on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly and unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And that is why I live the way I do, because I have the hope that Jesus Christ has died for my sins. He has resurrected and he will come again. That wasn't part of my sermon, but I thought it was just good to to bring some context of what has happened in my life. That brings me to the point, another blessing that has happened this year. Um, Bella and I are having a baby. And um, found the news. You know, I always tell people... uh, I wanted, I wanted to have a child since I was eighteen. Um, I was like thirteen years ago. And some people was like, "Why? Why do you want to have a kid?" You know. Um, he is prov- uh, peeking a little bit. He provided another thing that I'm so excited about. You know, um, I am overjoyed. I was I was sharing to Jim this morning um, the feeling of expecting expecting your baby to come. You know, it's something that I wanted for a long, long time. And now it's here, I don't know what to feel anymore. Seriously. Um, it's 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 a very, very weird feeling. You know, those of you that had kids, it's that first, the first one. I know the second one, you'd probably be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Third one, yeah. Fourth one, you can do whatever you want. But it's that first one, that first time you ever expecting a child, and it's your own child, it means a lot, so I am excited, Um, you know, I'm overjoyed, I'll tell you that, like every time I tell Bella, there's that little burst of like enjoyment, like this, like excitement, I have to watch my grammar here, because we have teachers in the room, uh, right there, welcome guys today, I hope you uh, understand the message clearly, um, and, um, you know, I am nervous as well. Not to the point that I am anxious, because it's a good thing, right? So, all that is important that I should know is that God has my child in the palm of his hands. You know, he has the ultimate control in that. I could, I love, he hasn't come yet, but I, I love her already. We're going to have a daughter That's what the sonographer said. Um, I love her already. But the ultimate security I have is, you know, I have the peace in mind that God has the best for her. And God will protect her. God will provide for her. So it fits in beautifully with um, the message of Christmas. I was um, invited today to speak for 25 minutes. I think I've taken 10 minutes already. And I haven't gotten to the my main message Um, this title i want to speak to you about today is the faithful anticipation of the forthcoming child so who is this child we've sang about this child this morning already we've read the verses already they've used the verses that i'm gonna say this morning we're gonna do it again we're gonna read the verses again um (laughs) you know this is specifically the birth of jesus christ what it's all about what is the importance of this child You know, the expectation of the birth of Jesus Christ is not like, unlike Bella and I, you know, it's not nine months in the womb, right? The expectation of the birth of the Messiah, it you know, it spans thousands of years. You know, think about it. It is understandable for me to think about what my child will look like. Who will she take after? Her personality, her temperament is that expectation, what she will be like. Um, you know, the sonographer told us in a 20-week scan that my baby girl looks like me. So, we're winning already. <laughs> <Grandpa>. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, in no all seriousness, I hope that she has, you know, she'll be like her mother, the person that I fell in love with, and um, that will be amazing. If she's like me, then that's good too, I guess. Imagine the hopeful expectation of Jesus' birth for those who lived before it happened. You know, I'm excited to see my baby, but imagine how much more the Jewish people must have felt as they expectantly awaited the coming of the Messiah, you know, their Savior, their liberator in, in translation. We see this at the very beginning in Genesis. We see the fall of man to sin. Through Adam and Eve, even though they've fallen and tainted in sin, God gave them and all humanity the promise of a Savior. Right? In Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise, strike his heel. There is an anticipated hope of Messiah that would come into the world to save us. Then we, we skip 700 years before the birth of Christ. We see that there is a prophet called Isaiah announcing that he would come. The prophet Isaiah says to them that you will know when that Messiah arrives because the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now it is a unique and specific sign. It says in Isaiah seven verse 14 therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel so if you know biology this is a miracle why it's impossible for a virgin to conceive right give birth to a child this is an amazing miracle Why is that? Because this is the fulfillment of that divine sign. From a virgin will come a child, the child. Now his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will be born humanly, but at the same time, he will be God with us. He will be fully human. He will be fully God. Then Prophet Isaiah again tells us in chapter 9 as it follows, we've read it this morning, but it'll be good to put it up there because I know it's like a favorite verse for a lot of people. Um, for us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase now listen to this one. This is the main point. I want to I stress it. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So first of all, the prophecy tells us that he will be born from a virgin, and that he will rule. It says there, and the government, on verse 7, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He will rule. It also tells us that of the increase of his government, can you just put verse 7 in there, please? Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. He will be crowned the ruler of everything. How amazing is that? He will be crowned the ruler of everything. This time forth and forevermore. So at this moment in time you know that he rules a kingdom that we cannot see. A kingdom that is not visible. Um, He rules in the hearts of those who believe in him and for those who have confessed him as Lord and Savior. Until that day when a future will come, that his kingdom will become visible. This is when he returns to the earth to set up his kingdom and reign in the earth. He will then create a new heaven and a new earth free from sin. Earlier from what I mentioned from Revelation 21, that there will be no more death when he comes back. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. So a lot of us have heard of the nativity story. Um, Baby Jesus, born in a manger, we see it in there. Uh, We saw it this morning as the kids were um, reenacting. We see sheep, cattle, wise men, we see shepherds, we see Mary and Joseph. But the story of Jesus Christ, it doesn't end in the manger you know, it's not complete when we just think about that, nativity, that that manger scene, it is not complete there. The story of Jesus Christ is only complete when we comprehend that he came to the world as a king. But not just any king, but the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. When we can comprehend that Jesus is the culmination and the fulfillment of the prophecies foretold of the coming Messiah. You know, this is the one that the Jewish people have been expectantly waiting for all those years. As I mentioned already, this Christmas is very different for Bella and I um, because we're expecting a child. I'm very excited to be a father, uh, to be a dad. And I can finally drink from that mug, proud, the one that we have here at church, the one that says, you are a winner, happy Father's Day. (laughs) Next year, I get to drink from that mug with pride. And I'm so excited. <laughs> hey, I'm a father, like you. Anyway, I want to I wanna briefly talk about, I won't, I won't be too long now, I just want to um, talk about uh, someone that doesn't really get talked about a lot in the, the nativity story. I want to shine a little bit of light on the character um, just like myself, is uh, was an expectant father, and um, that is Joseph. So I'm not going to try to read a lot of verses about Mary because we read a lot of that. That so I'm going to read everything that's said in the Bible about Joseph, and then we can see um, what are the characteristics that we can learn from the character of Joseph. Do do, do you know much about kids? Do you know much about Joseph? Yes. Yeah. What, what what can you give for me, sir? It's okay. We'll go through a little bit, you know, just just little bits of what we can learn from Joseph, right? So, you know, I believe that one of the greatest honors in this life is to be a parent. It's a massive responsibility, right? I get to nurture this child into the world, teach her everything that I know, and, you know, to love her unconditionally. I say her. Imagine she comes out a boy. <laughs> that's what Bella keeps saying. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's oh that's what my mother-in-law keeps saying, actually. Um, you know, but for Joseph, it was a it was a different circumstance. Right? The circumstances was completely different. Were completely different. So, what do we know about Joseph? So Joseph is the earthly father of Jesus Christ, he's a descendant of King of David. We see the lineage in Matthew 1. You can read it. There's loads of names. You can try to um, pronounce the names correctly. It is a very interesting to note that people knew their ancestries back in the day. Um, how you know, Do you know the name of your great-grandfather, for example? I mean, me, I only, uh, for example, like, I, I, I can think of the image in my head like uh, in Lord of the Rings. When um, they say, oh, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, son of Araborn." And son of something, you know. It was kind of the same, like same idea. Like people knew where they they, they, their lineage. Uh, Me, I can only name. I'm James, son of Emmanuel, son of. That's it. I, (laughs) and I don't. I don't know. Um, It's funny that my, my dad's name is Emmanuel as well. So, I guess I was born in a family of God with us. So Joseph, he lived in Nazareth, in Galilee, and was betrothed to marry or engaged. They were legally pledged to be married. Um, it, it's, it's a very different idea. It was different. Um, betrothal is very different uh, to what we know of engagement nowadays. Because we can break engagements kind of in the modern day, right? But um, it says here betrothal. In most eras of Bible history, involved two families in a formal contract. And the contract was as binding as marriage itself. So betrothal then was more of a business transaction between two families than a personal romantic choice. Dowry or bride price agreements were included so that a broken engagement required payment of the dowry. Steve talked about dowry when talking about gift uh, when he was sharing t- two weeks ago. After betrothal, all that remained were three matters. The wedding celebration, the bride's move into the groom's house, and the consummation of marriage. So I want to talk to you about the characteristics that we can learn from Joseph. But before we do that, um, it would be good to get a bit of context. I want to read this real quick. We read it earlier, but just to to emphasize the point of um, what was happening here. Can we put up Luke 1? Again, please. So in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, we read this earlier, a town in Galilee, but we can read it now, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Amazing. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the Father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked and Mary asked the angel, Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That's amazing. can that be? It's a miracle. Now we see that the Bible indicates, we don't really hear a lot about Joseph. You don't really hear him speak in, in the Bible. Um, but you know it says the Bible indicates that he was a kind self-sacrificing man. Matthew 118 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way: when his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now imagine that. You are in Joseph's shoes. You are betrothed. It's essentially you are married when you're betrothed. You know. Again, as I mentioned, you weren't just just engaged in in modern society's uh, terms now. Um, and then you find out that she is with child. How do you feel? Of course, it. You. I don't want to. You know. Um, But anyway, from me, from my point of view, this was a scandal, right? It was adultery. Imagine being in that situation. You're getting ready to marry this individual. And you get hit with the news that she is pregnant. And you know it's not your baby. Because you haven't done the deed yet. With all things considered, it mentions in verse 19, And her husband, Joseph... So I have a different translation. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Read that. It was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph, he had the legal right to divorce Mary when he found out she was pregnant. But what did he do? He opted out. Opted to do it quietly. That's what he did. Without the public knowing. You know, I'm sure that news like this travels fast, you know, in, in the inner circles. Um, they didn't have much technology back in the day, so they had a lot of talk, um, communication. So I'm pretty sure it's spread pretty quickly. Um, but we see that what an act of sacrifice from Joseph's part here to divorce her quietly. He wanted to divorce her quietly. He could have publicly shamed Mary and her family so that he could preserve his honor and name he could have easily brought himself out of that situation but he didn't do that right he even though he felt that he was wronged he was uh, disappointed he still sacrificed so he won't put her to shame what an act what a man that's decency All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. When Joseph woke from the sleep, we saw it earlier here, he did as the angel Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. In the final act, it showed here that Joseph safeguarded the, vali- the validity of the virgin birth. We also see in Luke 2, it says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. I'll read it from here, Issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house in line of David. You know, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So it's actually an amazing thought here. We see, you know, God is amazing that he has his hand on every single detail. Um, we see a man called Caesar, right, who is in power. And then with one order... It says the whole world must obey, you know, everyone must go to be registered. That's his order. That was a decree. This is interesting because by doing this, Mary would be given birth in Bethlehem, right? This fulfills the prophecy in Micah where the ruler is to be born in Bethlehem. Also, um, I also checked Google Maps this morning um, just to see how, uh, how many miles it, it is from Galilee to Bethlehem. So it worked out to be around 80 to 90 miles. It said that it would, it, Google Maps said it would take 34 hours to walk all that way from Galilee to Bethlehem. Um, it's quite far. That's without a break. yeah. And then it's probably walking three kilometers per hour as well, which is with a pregnant lady, it's, it's really difficult. So that showed you know, that Joseph and Mary, we can conclude that he was a self-sacrificing man. He did that journey, could be with a donkey, or yeah. So, first one, we can conclude that he was a self-sacrificing man. Second, we can conclude that Joseph is a man who cared deeply about obeying God. We see in verse 24 that Joseph woke from sleep, and he did as the angel Lord commanded him. No questions asked, just pure obedience. Joseph do this, he did it. Right, it's very simple. Actually, if we look at the text, it's very simple text. Luke and Matthew didn't really go into too much detail regarding this, you know. It was very simple. So we see the pattern of obedience throughout the early chapters in Matthew as well. When they departed to Egypt, um, we see Joseph immediately obeys the angel. You know, as he commanded, takes his family to Egypt. Um, So in every step of the way, we see God's hand in every situation. God had a plan. All that was left to do is for Joseph to obey. Sometimes it's very difficult for us to obey. Uh, uh, Obedience is is a very hard thing for for a lot of situations. But um, But when the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon your life and you wholeheartedly obey his commands, nothing will get in the way. God will protect you. Provide for you and he will make the way all for the glory of his name. We see it here through Joseph in his obedience to God's commands. So we learn that Joseph was a self-sacrificing man. We learn that he cared deeply about obeying God. And number three, Joseph showed commitment to keeping the law. Um, Luke 2.22 and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So he brought Jesus there. And also in 241, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for a festival of the Passover. You know, I always tell my wife that I want my kid to be like the best drummer in the world or the the best basketball player and um, i want to teach her everything that i know and i want her to be better than me and everything you know i can't wait to let her shine and watch her sports games and all this stuff you know but the main thing that i want for her to strive for is to be a servant of the living god first and to glorify him with the gifts that he has given her now just as joseph showed commitment to keeping the law we should be an influence to our children in serving god we shouldn't just be like the influencers that we hear now we should be an influence sir i guess for god so joseph was a self sacrificing man joseph was a man who cared deeply about obeying god joseph showed commitment to keeping the law the Bible also indicates that Joseph was a man of influence in Jesus' life. We see this in Mark, in, Mark, in Matthew. We see that people call Jesus a carpenter as well as a carpenter's son. Uh, Bella and I was talking this morning. We were, uh, we were just brainstorming that, you know, kids, your children was like your apprentice, you know, they learned your trade. They learned the family business. You need to have influence as well to teach them the ways, right? You need to be good at being a master, right? You need to be good at being a father, a mother, to teach your kids the ways. So we see that Joseph had commitment to keeping the law Deeply cared about obeying God. He knew the scriptures and he had influence. Right? It says it in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, 18. Joseph knew the scriptures, so he, he would have known this. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen to 21. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. He tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. You know, we should be diligent in teaching our children the ways of the Lord, be an influence to them and not be like these modern day influencers. Teach them the word of God. From what we have seen, Joseph would have done the same. You know, Joseph didn't take the responsibility of being a father to Jesus lightly. You know, when the angel of the Lord told Joseph in the dream to name the child Jesus, he obeyed. He claimed Jesus as his own doing so. We have a, I'm not a parent yet, but I believe as a parent we have a big, big responsibility to our kids. I, I want to be humble enough to learn from the people that's been through it to how to raise up my kid. But at the same time, I want to bring them up to the ways of the Lord as mentioned there. Do it diligently. It's hard. It's hard to give them your time. But it is a commandment. I want to bring up my child to the love of God with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. My influence in her life will be an integral part of that. So we know enough to see that Joseph was a humble man, who faithfully obeyed God. He honored others. He took responsibility and worked hard to provide for his family through his trade. These are godly characteristics of a true father that we should ought to replicate. And to conclude, the story of Jesus Christ is not finished in the manger. It finds completeness when we comprehend what the prophet Isaiah mentions in chapter 9. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it, and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So to end, through Jesus Christ's birth, resurrection, and the time when it comes back again, God will always be and forever glorified. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgware.